Welcome to another Big and Small Media Podcast episode. I am Zach. I am the small one. And I'm Darren. I am the big one. And today we have two guests, which we might as well have at least three or four every time now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have returning Mr. Brett Neithamer. How's yeah. it going, Brett? Thank you for having me on again, guys. Always a pleasure. Always a treat. No problem. And Mr. Sean Weiss. How you Hello doing? again. I'm good. Uh, the mediums are taking over your podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, we got a couple of medium in the middle guys here. What the hell? Is <laughs> yeah, this? that's true. A couple <laughs> fence sitters over here. Pick a side. <laughs> Sean and I are going to break off start our own the medium podcast. Ooh. Hey. All right. Uh, <laughs> we have to pick a side. Brett, go big. Uh, you can work out. I'll do like with the dad from. Uh, King of the Hill bit. I'll get my shins removed. Cotton Hill. The old Cotton Hill treatment. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way uh, I can think of to get smaller. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. I have surprisingly never watched through King of the Hill. I really need to do that. It's all I know classic. from King of the Hill is the YouTube poops. It's all Hell I get yeah. better with age. Like when you're a kid, you're laughing at some of like the antics. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny. But then like as you get older, you like realize certain things and like the type of humor it is is very dry and like it it's brilliant it's a wonderful it show is. that's how seinfeld is too like i liked it when i was younger i thought it was funny but now that i'm older i watch it and i'm like i relate to like every single episode that plays that i watch <laughs> so yeah that show's fantastic so i've been i watched through um i recently watched through friends because my girlfriend wanted me to because i know she's big into it Rough. we watched through it and it wasn't bad no it just isn't bad it so we were just kind of trying to compare it to The Office because I was talking about how much more I like The Office or whatever. And I still very much prefer The Office over it. But it does have one thing that The Office doesn't have, which is a Danny DeVito episode. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> as Danny DeVito as a cop stripper. So. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> which is pretty that's, good. That's perfect. the one uh, clip of Friends that I have watched. <laughs> so, <laughs> so overall, so, it's okay. Like, okay. It's a product of its time. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I implore you to do this. So on YouTube, look up uh friends without laugh tracks and watch how bad oh, the show becomes when they remove when you watch it without any laugh tracks mm. it's pretty bad it's pretty also bad. I, there's I feel uh, like i've actually goodin, seen a clip of that yeah, drew so. gooden does a does a, a video where he compares the office and friends and he counts per episode how many jokes there are per episode i think i've seen that video jokes. So it's very interesting just seeing the comparison of how each show is built. I think he might cover the fact that like if you remove the laugh tracks, it's like mm. kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like a lot of a lot of uh, sitcoms that during that time is probably the same that have oh, laugh sure. tracks at least. It's but, yeah. it's tough because it's like that was actually it's interesting. My roommate and I were just having this conversation the other day how like that was kind of the beginning of the end of the laugh track for sitcoms. Cause if you look earlier sitcoms into the nineties and stuff, fresh prints like this, the, the, um, the laugh track never like impedes or overtakes the joke mainly because they were filmed in front of like a live studio audience. So you had like that kind of connection with right. an actual audience member. And like, you can even see sometimes, especially in fresh prints where they'll like they'll interact with the audience and if like a joke really plays off well then they'll kind of like play to the audience and then that makes it funnier and stuff and once you know filming became quicker and digital and easier and this and this and we kind of started phasing out of the live studio audience we kept a laugh track because that was just kind of the structure but like it you no longer had that kind of 
like personal connection and now it feels a lot more like hollow and stuff and like a lot of times the laugh track is that like big bang theory without laugh track is just terrible it's Uh, terrible i watched it yeah it's interesting like looking at like which sitcoms can actually work without the laugh track and which can't like yeah it's a very interesting kind of like evolution of the sitcom that we've gone through over the decades Hey, Mr. Film School, what, why don't you why don't you bring back uh, filming in front of a live studio audience? Oh hell yeah, that's that'd actually be, one of the, I was so happy so in sick. those like first few episodes of Wandavision that they did yeah. that. Like that made me really happy. Uh, really but yeah, cool. no, I think I think that's definitely there are things like the live studio audience or like model making and stuff that's like it's a an old school way of filmmaking, but like we should never abandon it because it there's a reason it works and it like something with that handcrafted tangibility or personal connection always rings more true than just a hollow laugh track or like a, a completely CG like creation. I mean, and stuff. I think, I think that's true for shows that use a laugh track, but I think there's plenty of sitcoms that like the office, for example, that they don't need a laugh track. Yeah. And so yeah. filming them for in front of an audience and having those laugh breaks, I think would just detract a bit from the flow of the show that's also so, true because of like how the office is structured like with it being a mocking that's what i'm saying yeah, like, i don't think you could you could show you is could structured yeah. away from that then i don't yeah, like, i don't think it's good to have but and for shows that of a want a laugh track definitely yeah. should use a live audience yes 100 yeah. percent. but then like shows like community like that's a show that could have used a laugh track but decided not to and i think it works a lot better for that you know not using a laugh track because also when you have a live studio audience, it's tougher to be able to do things like go into a character's imagination or something because then you would have to film it beforehand and then you would show it on a screen to your live studio audience. So it's like like my roommate and I are currently going back through Everybody Loves Ray. And that show is great. <laughs> That's a good show. Holds up for the most part. But like the funny thing is you can like always tell when they actually shot somewhere on location and showed the footage like pre-cut to an audience member mm-hmm. instead of like the the stuff shot in front of the studio because like you know they have to you, you only have so much time to to laugh now because we cut this live bit like differently than all right so Deborah makes a joke and then we can sit and breathe and let the audience laugh for a minute take right. a beat and then move on like it's very interesting there's um because i see this and stuff all the time but i never knew if it was actually real and don't mind me if this is a dumb question but do like when they hold up cards to laugh for the audience is that like a real thing yes that is a real oh, thing okay so not like just laughing at the jokes itself it's just like timed yeah. right because there's also like this weird ebb and flow with comedy that you learn about where like you almost you almost can't and shouldn't have every single joke be the funniest joke ever because it then because if your level is constantly at here then that means yeah. you have no like nowhere to go so then it feels like it's down here so you almost need like an ebb and flow with better jokes and worse jokes so like they have the cards there because they not only tell you like when to laugh or when to do whatever, but I think some of them also say like how much you should laugh because they have that like that kind of we right. need some of these jokes can't be like overshadowing a moment. And then so we need to make sure the audience doesn't like take over because that joke is leading into Will Smith, you know, having a breakdown or something, you right. know, talking about his dad. So like, yeah, yeah they do use cards to kind of like guide an audience 
and stuff. But yeah. one of the things I always love about you can almost always tell it's a live studio audience because there's always like a single person. There's like, laughing louder there's, than yes, everyone else. Exactly. There's always yeah. like one dude or one woman that's just like laughing way harder than like anyone else. And it's <laughs> yep. like that's a gem. That's like a kind of there's something behind that that you're just like that feels real. That would always catch me on like Saturday Night Live and stuff. You would always just hear that one person who's being really loud or laughs longer than everyone else. Yep. Just like, okay, the guy's <laughs> really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. But anyway, <laughs> that was a, that was a fun little discussion. But little, today we're, our main topic tangent. is a little tangent. Yeah. The main topic today is supposed to be invincible. A little, a little behind talking about invincible, but no, we're just early for seasons two and three. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, very early. Catch up. Gotta, on gotta get in. Yeah. Beforehand. <laughs> Christmas. Do the whole series all at once. Here Christmas in uh, August. Yes. And I'm, uh, I would like to start it off with asking everybody what their, I guess, experience was with, uh, what their knowledge of invincible was before the uh, cartoon or the animation before. I do also before think it's all. Worth, I, I think it's worth, uh, giving a spoiler alert for invincible yeah. because obviously yeah. <laughs> like you guys going into like anything you guys talk about it's given that you're going to talk about the whole thing but invincible is very much a show that i don't think you want to know too much about going into no, it that's, yeah, yeah that, i think that's it's nearly, the... uh, yes. it, it wouldn't play nearly as well uh if I you agree. know what's going to happen right and even even if you were someone who knew like some of the stuff from like the comics and stuff. It's still they do it pretty differently for some of the stuff in the animation, and it made it really good. Yeah, so. so go watch it. Yeah. Anybody who's listening who hasn't yet, and then come back and watch the rest of this. Yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna start with Darren. What was your experience with Invincible before the animation, if anything? Absolutely zero. I never even heard of it. Um, All right. Like, completely never heard of it. Um, I didn't know what it was until you or Sean or. Somebody, one of you guys recommended I watch it, and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that is, because you guys were just like, well, it's got, you know, um, J.K. Simmons in it, and, you know, um, the other guy from The Walking Dead, what's his name, like, uh, Sean Ewan or something like that? Steve Ewan. Steve Ewan? Yeah, something like that. Um, And I was like, oh, that's a pretty... That cast is stacked, man. Yeah, the cast cast is pretty nutty, and I was like, uh, because I was just like, you know, we were on like a J.K. Simmons like jerk off fest because he's because he's <laughs> awesome, <laughs> and uh, yes. you guys mentioned that he was in that. So I was like, uh, okay, I thought it was like a live action show or something, and I had no idea what it was. So um, yeah, zero knowledge. The only kind of knowledge I had when I finally watched it was just kind of like what I saw people talking about like on Facebook, like how it was intense. So I unfortunately kind of had it spoiled for me, um, not completely, but a little bit. Um, like I knew that it got like fucked up and kind of like intense, but I didn't really right. know how. I was able to make some inferences on how it got kind of crazy and fucked up, but I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. So like, right. when that main thing that's like in the first episode or the second episode, um, you know, with uh, with um, Omni Man. Omni-Man, yeah. that's his name. I couldn't remember if it was Ultraman or I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been, been a while since yeah. I watched yeah. it. So um, I remember he's a Viltrumite, but I couldn't remember his fucking actual name. Um, <laughs> I could remember Viltrumite, but I couldn't remember Omni-Man. 
right? Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, the the one like super like shocking and fucked up thing he does, which we'll get into it. But in case people are listening this far already and are still not aware of the spoiler alert, they didn't heed uh, the warning. Yeah, they didn't heed yeah. the warning. We'll give him a little bit more time. So the one, <laughs> yeah. so like when the, so I knew something crazy was gonna happen. But then that when that crazy thing happens, and Omni Man does, I was like, what the hell? This is awesome. So like the rest of the show was just like awesome right so um, then you're, they're just pulled in so even knowing <laughs> that like something crazy happens like i was still shocked and like you know i thought it was awesome so um yeah i didn't know anything but um it was great and i can't wait for uh more and actually like i was telling sean and uh zach the other day um i've been watching through the walking dead and uh there's a couple parts later in the show where they actually like have some invincible cameos because Robert Kirkman wrote both of them. So um, there's like a scene where Carl's like reading a invincible comic. And then there's like another shot where uh, there's like little like Lego toys in this one kid's room. That's like, um, uh, like uh, invincible and a couple of the other, uh, like that secondary team he ends up on with like the girl and like Avengers style team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, so there's like a couple little toys on this kid's like desk, and I was like, "Oh, look, that's in, that's invincible stuff right there." So, so that <laughs> was cool. pretty cool to see. And apparently, there's uh, invincible references in the Walking Dead comic books as well. So, oh, nice. Hmm. All right, Done. all right, Brett. Um, well, I kind of like Darren. I didn't really have too much. I knew it was based on a comic by Robert Kirkman. I know who Robert Kirkman is and stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. Um, and then I, I had the, well, I, okay. So, so I knew there was this, you know, based on this comic by Robert Kirkman and I knew that the premise was essentially like, what if Superman like didn't have his, his morality essentially like broad strokes kind of thing and like really used his power to just fucking take over and stuff. So I was like, all right, that's like a cool, cool, uh, you know, concept and stuff. And then I actually had the whole like crazy sequence at the end of episode one, uh, I first saw it on iFunny, and there was just like someone had that whole clip oh. on iFunny, and I was like, like I saw it and I was like, that's fucking crazy, um, and then realized it was from Invincible, and I was like, okay, yeah, I need to start this show, um, <laughs> so then I started it, and like, yeah, it was that was basically how I got into it, and yeah, uh, I. Since I started it, like, I looked up some stuff about the comics. I have a friend of mine who's really big in the comics and, like, read them and has them all stuff. So he was just telling me a little bit about some of the differences and stuff. Um, but other than that, like, I don't have any, like, prior knowledge to it. It was just kind of like I had heard of it and then saw that clip and then started watching it. I think that probably happened for a lot of people. I have, yeah. after, after the finale came out, um, me and my brother Nick were talking about it in a group chat and my friend was like, oh, yeah, I heard that that gets really bad. Uh, and we were like, yeah, it gets pretty wild. And he's like, yeah, when he kills all those other superheroes. And I'm like, oh, no, that's the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets so much worse. It gets so yeah. much worse. Because he had just seen that clip and he assumed it was from the finale. And I was like, oh, that's that's how they kick off the show. <laughs> <laughs> it really grabs your attention. It, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, so have you um, known anything about it beforehand, Sean? Uh, not really. I had seen the comics at like comic book stores, and I knew it was a more like uh, graphic and mature comic book than 
like mo like what Marvel and mostly DC does. Um, DC branches out a little bit more with some of their stuff, but uh, it, it wasn't something that I ever looked into. Mm-hmm. I just kind of knew a little bit of the reputation around it for being violent and handling more mature themes and stuff. Um, okay. And then image comics. Yeah, uh, you believe so. Um, and then, much like Darren, you you told me about it after the first trailer came out, Zach. Uh, yeah. and you're like, J.K. Simmons is in this. I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and uh, it did not disappoint. I will say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, I I had seen some of the comics as well. I had actually read a little bit of them a few years ago online. Uh, but it starts off pretty, since obviously it's longer in the comics than it is in the show. Right. The first like few comic books are pretty generic, like a pretty generic superhero story. So right. I kind of fell off of it. And then when this stuff, when the animation was, uh, I keep wanting to say anime, <laughs> but it's not an anime. When the show was announced, I kind of jumped back into it and read probably like half of it. And so I knew most of what happened in the show already, but they did add stuff in the show that wasn't in it. That was really cool. But that's good. But yeah, my knowledge prior to was basically just the first half of the series. But right, I almost kind of wish I didn't hadn't read it because <laughs> that would have uh, given me a lot more to see. Uh, right. Beforehand. But it was still super good. Like as someone who had read the comics. It was really good still. Still had new stuff in it. And it was changed, obviously, to more modernized. Because since that came out, like, in the early 2000s, there were things they say in that, and there are some very stereotype stuff in there that's not really great now. (laughs) But but the show was really good. It it corrected a lot of that stuff. And you had said that um, the Omni-Man fighting the Guardians of the Globe part didn't come in until later in the comics right yeah it wasn't super late but it was like it was like 13 or 14 issues so it's still further if you're reading it like every other week or yeah month to month when it comes out it still takes a while ways to wait yeah yeah that was probably stuck it up front then it's like it is it is very much a like an eye catcher like something to get you hooked into the rest of the show. It's, it's yeah. very smart of them to use it that way. Yeah, because watching the first episode, most of it, I was like, okay, this is a pretty good, like, uh, coming-of-age superhero thing where like he gets origin, his powers. Yeah. Trying to figure out how he fits into the world where his dad's already the greatest superhero. Uh, and then that happens, and she's like, okay, this took a turn. And yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. makes you invested for the rest of the series. Yes, <laughs> because like you were saying, Zach, like, do you know, and I felt this in that first episode. It is, and I'm sure uh, it seems that uh, the problem comes from it being like this from the comics, but it is very, very much a generic origin comic book opening. Like, that first episode is very, like, not to be, like, mean about it or anything, but it's really generic. It's just like, you know the tropes, here they are. Like, it's not necessarily, like, a problem because of that at the end, but that's, it's Kirkman living in the the tropes and living in... Uh, you know, instead of subverting it, he's 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 enjoying it and being like, yes, no, this is a thing. You know this story, and then he puts the twist of like, but you don't know like this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, so I think to play off of that point, I think it was actually genius because 
here's why, at least from my perspective. Um, so I was when I was watching that first episode, you know, it's it is about that whole coming of age thing, and you know, uh, Omni Man is like concerned about you know, uh, you know, Invincible getting his uh, you know Mark, I think is his son's name, right? Yeah, yeah. Mark. He's he's concerned about Mark getting his powers, and you know, I think I think um, it, it seems like maybe his powers showing up or is like kind of late as well. Um, so, and they kind of play on that. And again, it's a typical coming of age thing. So for me, when the end of that episode happened and, you know, Omni-Man is, is calling all of the guardians of the globe to their headquarters or whatever, in my mind, cause this happens after Mark finally gets his powers. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, so Omni-Man is calling all these guys to the headquarters to let them know, Hey, my son got his power. So you know, he may be joining the Guardians of the Globe soon, this, that, or the other thing. So I'm thinking he's calling these guys there to, like, let them know the good news. <laughs> and then the he's fucking... <laughs> and then, I, we're just going to put it out there now. If, you, if you're still listening, yeah. that, you know, the spoiler alert's been said. He just fucking wrecks the Guardians of the Globe. Does, Absolutely annihilates. Brutal scene. <laughs> the yeah. scene is so crazy. It, yeah, like, if you oh. like violent, like, cartoons and anime and stuff, this is the scene for you, because I, because I do, I love that stuff, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I, I was think, like, like, but I think they were. It's interesting. Um, I think we'll get more into this later on because <laughs> the ending sequence does this a lot more. But that, even in that opening sequence, I think there are moments where Kirkman is very smart to where he doesn't like, he doesn't exactly like relish in the violence. There are moments where it is violent, and the way it is per, like it's shown, like you're kind of like this is gross, and it's him. Like, it's definitely on purpose and being like, yeah, no, this like this is violent. This is bad. It's yeah. not a good thing. Like you shouldn't be like cheering on some of this like horrific stuff. Right. Um. He. I think he. Uh, he gave a realism to it, but there, there's a weight to the violence. It's not I, just this like light flighty comic book like adventure like there are actual stakes yeah so, i think uh, that's i think he does a really good job of making it, it i think it's a good balance between like oh this is fun superhero stuff people are flying around and they're bulletproof and stuff and then a regular person gets hit by them and you're like oh right yeah <laughs> There they're are just... consequences for this type of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, just... yeah exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It does a really good job with that. So the violence he... has a very real like effect to it because yes. you just see regular people caught up in these situations of superheroes flying around doing stuff and just getting torn apart like the uh, Flaxian invasion, like those other dimensional yeah. people. Oh, show up. yeah. And when Invincible first shows up, he like doesn't know what to do because it's not what he he pictured from reading comics. Yep. And since Mark as a character reads comic books, he was thinking he was going to show up and everything was going to be fine. And in people actuality, are getting wrecked. <laughs> if there was a situation like that, people would die a lot of people and it would be very violent. Yeah. Um, yes. So exactly. I think he does, does it in a really good way where like, like you said, Brett, it's not glorified. It's more there to be like a reminder of, what this stuff would be like if it actually were to happen. Yes. Yeah. It's That's interesting. Decent... Like Kirkman, Kirkman is, it's interesting comparing Invincible to the boys because they're both very similar in some regards, but also very, very different. Whereas like Kirkman lives within the convention of super, like within superhero convention, but just says, okay, 
Like, you know what this is like, but just think about, like, the real consequences of something like this. Whereas the boys is like, here's convention, we're throwing it out the window and we're taking a left field. Like, you know, we're taking a left turn into the the stratosphere and it's going to be like... That's a good comparison. That's a good comparison because I feel like the boys and Invincible is compared a lot, at least from what I see online. And it's weird because I feel like the boys... The way it does violence in the boys, it's like it does kind of like like its violence. Yes. And like glorifies it for the most part. Yeah. And it's like when I, I tried to read the boys and I got so far and I just kinda didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Almost for that reason. Yeah. Like it, so it was almost like it was up its own yeah, it was like up its own ass for the most part. And <laughs> just trying to be edgy and cool like yeah. it was being back then. And then Invincible takes it in a much more almost realistic way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which feels better, even though I think I think both the shows, The Boys and Invincible, are both fantastic. But they both do different stuff. Like The Boys is very yeah. different from the comics for a good in a good way. Yeah. And Invincible is very close to the comics in a good way. It's interesting because it's like the boy Mark Mark Millar is uh, or or Miller. I actually don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that. How dare I'll, you? I'll call him. Okay. Yeah, Zach, get him in here. Get him on the <laughs> Skype chat. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm Mark just Millar, huh? <laughs> uh, anyways, it's interesting because so the boys kick ass. A lot of his stuff was born like out of the very end of like right when comics were breaking out of the code. And so a lot of that stuff in the boys and and kick ass and a lot of his comics that came out in the era are like purposefully go way too far. Yeah, because yeah. it was him saying fuck you to the code and it was like a big part like it wasn't just like for the storytelling it was shock for shock value because now we can actually do it in comics yeah. it's and typical overcorrection is, basically like yeah. right and so so it's interesting because yeah like like you said uh the boys in the comics the same thing happens kind of like in kick-ass with like there are certain character decisions in the kick-ass comics that like really kind of just like turn you off as a reader and you're like this is just that like i I didn't need that that went too dark it went too far and there are certain plot points in the comics that they were very right to take out when adapting them into film and i think it's kind of the same with the boys where you need to pick and choose especially with the boys purposefully being this perverse subversion of like the superhero genre and stuff like there's only so much you can do whereas invincible just has to worry about like the violence and stuff so like and i'm actually like i saw a rumor that they want to adapt and make invincible a live action movie apparently seth rogan's working on that already like that's (laughs) insane because you know like i don't know if i i can't remember if i spoke to on this podcast or if it was uh i was speaking to someone else but i was saying like misguiding so many podcasts i can't remember which one i'm on cheating on my podcast (laughs) i'm sorry um (laughs) Well, I was telling them like like it's it's like there's a reason Invincible is animated. And it's because that level of violence, like you cannot do it live action because it would literally make you sick if you had that amount. Like there's a difference between animated and like video game violence, and then when you translate that into live action, there's like there's just yeah. something that like changes about it. And so if they do a live action, like you know it will not be the same because they won't be allowed to get away with like something yes. that, that show sure. does. True, true, true. And like uh, that's something they changed with the just talking about the first episode of Invincible. A big change they made from the comics to that episode is when Omni Man kills everyone in the comics, it's like instant. 
you don't really see anything. He kind of uh, just shows up, kills everyone, and it's over. It's like two panels. Okay. <clears throat> like, he, it makes him out to be like Superman, essentially, where it's just like, nobody can touch me, nobody can do anything. And right. then he just leaves, and they're like, who the fuck did this? Mm-hmm. And then, and obviously in the animated version, he kind of takes punches and intentionally makes himself look like he got the shit kicked out of him, too. At least that's how I saw it. No, I, I, I agree with you. There's definitely like an extra element to the plot because he has to, yeah, he, he, he yeah. When you're, when you're visualizing that as a film story, you have extra questions. So I think that was a smart move to just add that little extra layer of him like purposefully taking a few hits. I think also them, uh, I, I guess from the comics then, does, is, what's the name of the guy that, that is, like they bring him back to life? The Immortal. Uh, the Immortal, yeah. The, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Is in the comics. Is he like as strong? Does he have? Does he come back and like fight um, Omni Man? He does. Okay. He does come back. They do bring him back to fight Omni Man stuff. Uh, it doesn't end very well for Man. Like, mm-hmm. like it does in the show. Again, right. but um, he's not. He's not at Omni Man's level. Really okay, anyway. that's interesting. That's a very interesting change then because like, that, it, yeah. that to me it adds an extra tension with like the second he woke up, I was like, oh hell yes, like. Omni Man's about to get a beat down. Like this is like in a way you get to the moment with that character where you're like you kind of want to see him get taken down a peg, and by having the Immortal at least seem like he could hold his own, I think that was yeah. smart of them because that added like a tension yeah. of like ooh it could happen. Definitely. In the in the comics they definitely have it like this is Superman if he was at full power all the time and just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> he's like nobody's bothering him. He can do whatever he wants. I think another I think another good thing that they did with the scene, uh, you know, I know we're still on this kind of beating a dead horse, but the I, scene I where like this was it's important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does set up a lot for the show. And at least for me, maybe I misunderstood or misinterpreted. But when he was annihilating the, the Guardians of the Globe, there were times where it almost seemed like he like felt bad about doing it. Um, and. But then later in the show, you find out that like so like I was kind of like okay, there's got to be like some reason he's doing this. Like maybe he's being forced to by some entity, or because he doesn't seem like he's enjoying this all right. that much. Yeah. But then later on in the show, you just find out that he doesn't give a fuck about Earth. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. so like the whole time right. you're like, oh man, maybe he like is remorseful about this, or but then you just find out, and then you're just like, oh my god, this guy's a straight up fucking asshole like he yeah. just doesn't give yep. a shit That's, even though so like the whole time hope. you think maybe he cares a little bit and he yeah. absolutely no. doesn't <laughs> i was holding out so much hope because like jk simmons just has that air about him that you yes. want to like him yeah and then yep. he does that stuff and you're like well this character's horrible but i still yep. want to like him so like yeah. yeah i like there was the scene um the first time him and his wife get in an argument uh and she storms up to the bedroom and he like punches the wall and then sits down on the chair and I'm like, okay, so he's mad, but, like, he cares about her because he didn't just murder her like he could to yeah. anybody. Um, so I'm like, so maybe she's going to kind of, like, bring him back and, like, get him back on, like, the side of good. And that yeah. didn't happen. Nope. And yeah. <laughs> I wanted it to so bad. Yes. It just yeah. kept getting worse. <laughs> he was literally just a breeder for him. That's it. And, like, yeah. well, it's interesting because what that does then is, like – it it kind of changes how like when you rewatch it when you rewatch those first few episodes and like w- with the knowledge of 
what happens. Right. It's like it totally changes a few things because then you realize like, oh, you th- you thought he was like worried about Mark getting his powers to be like, oh no, like my son could get hurt or like you like you were saying, Darren, of like, all right, now it's his time to like take up the mantle and like join the the brotherhood and the sisterhood of of, of you know, superhero dumb. And now you go back and you realize he's like he's like chomping at the bit because he's like, yes, if my son can get like gets his powers now, then we'll have two of us and we can just take over Earth and it'll be so much simpler. And like it's kind of from that point of view, and um, and they also like you were saying with that kind of you almost see that he feels bad. Or he has yeah. this, like, he doesn't like doing it. Or there's this almost, like, intense anger in a couple scenes. I almost felt like he, because he's a Viltrumite, and, like, the way he speaks about humanity is we're just, like, insects kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel like, to him, superheroes are almost, like, even more of an abomination because it's, like, an insect trying to be a person by comparison. It's like, oh, you think that, like, just because you have an extra powers, like, you think you're on my level? Like, you're just... That makes him even more disgusted with them. Right. And, like, he just... Yeah, man. <laughs> he was brutal. Yeah. yeah. He definitely did a lot with the characters in the show in a short amount of time that made me... That made them feel really, likable, for the most part, or, yeah. like, real. Yeah. And that, like I said, even after really he murdered the Guardians of the Globe, I wanted to like him. And, like, right? I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't want him to be the villain that, like, I knew he was gonna be. Right, and I think I think that's a really good way to build the show because when you want to like the villain, then you're invested in the rest of yeah. the cast. On right? the on the opposite end of the spectrum, I actually like started off really hating uh what was his name Ra- Ralph or um oh Rexplosion Rexplosion I like really <laughs> oh. hated Rexplosion. But then by the end of it, like, I kind of like him. He's kind of goofy. He's not as, like, threatening, like, to me as, like, I don't know. It was just, like, in the beginning, because in the beginning, he's, like, that stereotypical, like, jockey kind of, like, oh, yeah, I'm sleeping around with, like, the different, like, members of blah, blah. And you're just, like, God, what a douchebag. But then, like, by the end, you're, like, yeah, but he's kind of, like, a lovable douchebag. That that Jason Manzoukas heir to him. Yeah. Which is also a great yeah. voice cast for him. But yeah, uh, speaking of that, actually, I was just thinking, like, it's funny with the way they did, uh, uh, the way they portrayed Omni-Man and everything, like Sean was saying, that uh, you wanted to like him. Because, like, I feel like I liked Rexplosion. I was more upset at Rexplosion just being, like, cheating on his girlfriend than I was Omni-Man, like, murdering people. Yeah! And I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the same. <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez. I know this guy's a dick. I don't want Omni-Man to be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think, but, like, uh, almost the whole cast... Um, is really well developed and like good, like well written characters that like you I, want to be attached yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And even even Seth Rogen's character, who's in for two uh, scenes, two scenes like, yeah. I absolutely yeah. love Alan the Alien as character. He's great. <laughs> that was really fun. That and, was like, also setup's great. Yes. That was like that's really great because it like it does a couple things like that's another example of Kirkman kind of living within comic book trope but then just changing yeah. one thing with like usually the alien comes in to invade and now it's like no we're here to you know test you and see see if you're worth you know blah 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 and then had a very cool. say that again just making sure everything's cool stopping and check up on you yeah yeah and he's like really <laughs> chill about it and stuff it's almost like he's like the Canadian Mountie version of the Green Lantern. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're just like that's a wonderful comparison <laughs> that's really good but like that also at the same time it promises like that very end scene where he's talking on the moon and you realize how big of a problem the viltrumite like yeah. you know empire is you're just like oh shit this is like he's not just there to be a lovable like space cop alien like yeah. it's a great piece of world building and stuff it was do we have um uh between us do we have any standout characters that we feel like other than like omni-man who obviously stands out. I mean, Alan the Alien, I think, yeah. like I said, even though he's yeah. only in two scenes, I absolutely loved him. Um, and Damien Darkblood was another character <laughs> yeah. that oh, I thought was fun. just such a great set piece. And I, like you, I think you told me, Zach, in the comics, he's way more inept and like, yes, kind of like <laughs> more of a joke character. Like he doesn't figure out that Omni-Man killed the Guardians until way after everyone yeah. else knows. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we, we knew this a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But I like I the really way liked... they used him to kind of, like, build the tension of, mm -hmm. like, he was kind of around, and people he knew. Was he was the Hellboy character, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, I like him, too. <laughs> yeah. Good old Clancy Brown. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. But, like, I think yeah. even though we don't know much about his character, he did exactly what he needed to, where he knew something that the audience knew, mm -hmm. and he was kind of just like that ticking time bomb for the rest of the cast to figure it out yeah uh, through him and so i think he definitely helped just just turn that tension knob up a couple of clicks every scene every time he showed up with more information you're like okay so how's omni-man gonna react once he knows right. that yeah. damien's onto him and who's damien gonna tell that omni-man might need to kill and it just keeps compounding every time he shows up right yeah i like him uh, I, I really enjoyed the, the clones, the two clones that kept, you oh, know. Oh, the yeah. Mauler twins. Yeah, yeah, the yeah they were really great. And that was a great, like, kind of, like, each time they're like, all right, well, which one's the real one? Well, I'm the real one. No, stupid. If you were the <laughs> real one, you would know this. And, like, that was just, like, a really fun way of playing around with, like, the idea of clones in a cheeky way. Yeah. And, uh, and the mystery behind, like, what they were doing with, like, Robot Man and stuff i was just like man is he like a is he a traitor like what's going on how are they right. working together right. and like that was a cool little mystery uh between the three of them of like how that was going to come about um but yeah they, i i like the specifically the two clone guys they were very funny i and, think it was also a really good idea to make them the first bad guys that we see yes like yes. right right in the opening of the show they're the first named characters i think that come on screen yeah um yeah. and then they have this like side plot going all the way through the whole season and it's great yeah, that was good i also absolutely loved the tiny side plot that showed up in like it was like two three episodes max that was just like following that uh security dude from from the white house and he was voiced oh, by John yeah Hamm. yeah John it's just like him connecting with his son yeah <laughs> I, I I wanted more of that. I wanted like another scene at the end, like buttoning where where they've gone in the relationship and stuff. That's like that was one of the funniest gags to me. Yeah, it's like the first thing they do in the episode is like a two minute just monologue from him or whatever. <laughs> yeah, with his son, and then later they show them on vacation in England. Yep. I think. <laughs> that shit. Oh, that was so funny. That was like very much a like a that sh that reminded me of something like Shane Black would do, where like you would follow these kind of like random ancillary, just everyday people characters, kind of thing. Like, mm. yeah, that that was fun. That was good. Anybody for you, Darren? 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's obvious or, but I mean, I I really like Mark. I mean, there you go. <laughs> he was yeah. like kind of the main, <laughs> yeah. kind of the main character, and uh, they kind of did a. I don't know. He he was such a likable character that like it just like made it unlikable because like you want to <laughs> see him succeed and he just never does. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and he's so he, passionate and he like, like has, he has like all this passion and like, he's just so wholesome and he just keeps getting just fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The episode with uh, machine head where oh. Titan comes like and asks him for help to take down machine head. That was such a good episode of like, yeah. Mark when he fights Battle Beast. Yeah, really wanting to just like be a hero and help somebody and who just... he thinks can like make a better life. And then he just gets wrecked and wrecked. like the guardians yeah. show up and get like almost get killed. Yeah. And then yeah. and then yeah. Titan just takes over anyway. And so like all of it was kind of for nothing. Yeah, it was a set it was yeah. all just a setup. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you just yeah. feel so bad for Mark because like you said, he wants to do this so badly and he just wants to help people and it just never works out for him. See, yeah. I think Omni Man was watching. Sorry, what was that? And Omni Man was watching over and just let it happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like, oh. See, I think they did a great job of making Mark like flawed. He's not the oh, yeah. perfect, you know, superhero. But it's also really great because that feeds into this, like, the, the concept of it being this twist and, like, a superhero tale with realistic consequences because, like we discussed earlier, and I think it was Sean, you said, like, he he reads comics. He, like, almost has this idea in his head of what a being a superhero will yeah. be. And then he, like, tries to go about it the way it's in the comics, and it doesn't work out. And I know, like, the internet just blew up when Amber got mad at him in the show. I completely understood Amber's side of that conversation. And I think that they were right within that show of, like, Mark was not thinking about any of that at all. In his mind, he's like, no, this is how it happens in a comic. I keep a secret identity, I do this, and it all works out. And it's right. like, in reality, no, there are trust issues. There are, like, issues with that that cause that in your relationship. And, like, he doesn't think about that. And he doesn't take into consideration what she's thinking. And, like, yeah, he's risking his life. But he was also lying to her for months. And, like, that's a big thing. And so... I'm very torn so, on that issue. I've seen both sides of the argument. Yeah. And, like, I I understand both sides. And, and that's... No, that's... Like, that's what makes it great, though, is yeah. I love the fact that you can actually see both sides, and right. it's not just a cut-dry, like, kind of situation. I and that's think, really good writing. I think, uh, kind of just like you said, it's the side of me that grew up reading comics being, li- like, siding with Mark of, like, yeah. she shouldn't have known. <laughs> like, that's how it is. <laughs> and yeah. Right. Whether, whether that's right, if it actually happened or not, is a whole separate conversation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. It's true. It's like a it's a realistic reaction to something like that, which is yeah. like what the show does really well. Is like, right. Right. you know, this isn't going to go the way you read about it in the comics. We're going to have a real reaction to something like this. Right. One of the one of the standouts uh, for me was uh, Walton Goggins. So, oh yes! How can we I get really... this far in the podcast and not talk <laughs> about Walton Goggins? He's so right. good. I really liked Cecil. I didn't like him at first. I don't think you're supposed to really, because he's yeah. you know, like this sketchy yeah. dude. But towards the end, I ended up really liking him when he's like teleporting around. That was trying, just dodging thing. Iron uh, Iron Man, Omni Man. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, that was another really good scene where they're just trying to slow him down from getting to Mark. Yeah, and, and he's, he's just like, 
yeah. He's just willing to do whatever it needs to to protect the planet, even if right. it's yeah. <laughs> kill Omni Man or whatever. Well, I Which... think that's I think that's another piece of like good writing because like it, they they almost like cross over where like in the beginning you don't really know Omni Man's true intentions and true disdain for the planet, so you're like, why the fuck is this Cecil guy fucking riding his ass so yeah. hard? Yeah, and, but right. then it turns out that Omni Man's a real piece of shit, and Cecil's <laughs> like actually trying to like help the Earth, and you're like, oh. Okay, yeah. he saw yeah. what we didn't see way before we saw it. So, yeah. you know. It's like, this guy um, could be bad. So they kind of, like, <laughs> trade places where you're like, oh, you know, Omni-Man, we, we want to like him, but, you know, he's a real piece of dog shit. So, like, and then this guy who's, just like, you know, is just some old motherfucker is, like, <laughs> really putting his neck on the line to try right. to stop yeah. this super powerful <laughs> yeah. being. Yeah. So, like, you got to give him props because you're like, man, this guy's fighting like this is like an ant fighting the fucking ant eater basically. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so. yeah. it's interesting because it's like if Omni Man is Superman like gone bad, like in a way, like he, he's kinda Wong Goggins is kinda like if like classic Nick Fury was like just an asshole. Where like you really don't <laughs> like him, but like at the same time he is deep down like doing it for the right reason. It's kind of like he, like he's taking another classic like character trope of like the phil colson the nick fury the like government agent character and mm -hmm. kind of like messing with it a little bit and messing with your expectations of it yeah it's good i liked when he they dropped the like the space laser on him on the man he's just like <laughs> you wouldn't it's <laughs> like oh, shit. That was, even though it did nothing and they just threw everything they had at <laughs> yeah. him and that including monster, like another dimensional like, like gives monster. it like all those extra yeah. drugs and stuff yeah like that was nuts <laughs> that was good like Cthulhu um, looking thing. Yeah, this, the yeah the um, weird elephant tentacle thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, Darren, about how they kind of cross over to a certain point. Because like, like you said, you don't really want to like him at first, and then like you don't necessarily agree with because he's, you know, the government stand-in, yeah. and so you're you assume that they're up to no good and they're doing stuff that they really shouldn't be doing. Yes. And there yep. is a level of that, but then you see that the turn with Omni-Man, it kind of seems like he was doing the right thing the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It's it great. Actually, this is like, I think this is a good segue into uh, the most emotional part of this show. And they were really right. I, th I think this, this emotional beat would not hit nearly as hard as it does if the show didn't, like, if it wasn't structured the way it was. And if we didn't make this show years after, like, after having as a collective society years and years and years of comic book stuff, because it lives and thrives in your knowledge of these tropes yeah. from the past. Because it's like, like we've been saying, like, you want to like Omni-Man. Why? Because ever since you grew up, you knew Superman is a good dude. So you're like, this yeah. has to happen this way. We don't trust the government agents because government agencies are always, like, shifty. And then everything takes a turn once that twist happens and Omni-Man is like, oh, no, I'm here to take over your planet. Mark, you need to join me. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, and that emotional turn of Mark like realizing that this man that he loves that you as the audience are like really, really wanting to like is essentially like a dictator and not just a dictator, but like a dictator that could crush your head with his pinky. Like that's like, how do you react to that? 
how do you like fight something like that? And especially that when he's J.K. Simmons. Exactly. That's true. That makes it all the more all the worse. And so, like, and yeah, like that last episode, like you desperately want Mark to land like a singular good punch, and he just gets trounced. And it's just yeah. like it's not just a physical beatdown. Like you as the audience are like emotionally broken. That, that <laughs> like, episode you've gone through so much with them, and then this happens, yeah. and you're like, I'm watching a family get like destroy itself. Yeah. That, that episode was legitimately difficult for me to watch. Like, I knew it was going to be, like, not good, just given how the show <laughs> is and, like, built up. But, like, man, that subway scene? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It hits so hard where Mark is doing everything he can, and it, it's literally, like, Omni-Man's using him as a weapon to kill people. Yeah. And there's nothing Mark can do about it. And it just, it sucks yeah. so bad. And yeah. For me, it almost like it was. I, I I like I like the order of events and how they structured this because right before that scene happens, you have Mark struggling so hard to rescue that mom and her child. Yeah. And then when the building collapses and he pulls up like just an arm, it's just like that. It literally like took my breath away in that moment. And then when you, you haven't even recovered from that moment happening, his dad does that to him with the subway. It's almost like just like rubbing your face in it. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, oh my God, Literally. stop. Please yeah. stop. stop. That, yeah. that subway scene is also not in the comics. So that is <laughs> that is something they added. Man, and that I was like that they added. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty crazy. Oh, I did not so see that coming. For... I hated it. And I hated it because it was so effective. It did exactly. What it was meant to do. Right. Yeah. It was, there was only like, like that. And then uh, the scene in Game of Thrones where Oberyn dies. Oh, Th yeah. Those were the two moments in like television that like actually hit me hard. And I'm like, oh man, I need to take a break from this yeah. for a minute. <laughs> uh, luckily, yeah. this is the last episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and it's right. kind of the same. It, honestly, there's a lot of similarities between those scenes because like the one, the evil person who is clearly the bad guy is just so much stronger than the good guy that you're rooting for that there's nothing they can do. Yeah. And yep. it's so painful to watch them just struggle and be helpless. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, it's, it is painful at times with that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if they address this in the comic, Zach. Um, I don't know what happens... Um, if, if they have that fight between them. And then there's that moment at the end where Mark sways him, I'm going to say. I don't know if that's yeah. actually what's happening. But he puts a, leaves, yeah, he puts a moment of doubt in his. Yeah, yeah, he tears up and he just leaves Earth. Yeah, that, uh, that happens. Okay. And so I don't know if... I assume it's going to come up in season two. Um, um. Where... God, I think it's just because it's J.K. Simmons that I'm holding out hope <laughs> that even after all this terrible stuff, he'll be a decent person. It's See, hard to no, say. Yeah, that's like, it's great because, like, he has this, like, I don't know if he's ever going to, like, be fully redeemed, but as bad as he is, you have them, he's still a father. Like, yeah. and he still looks at his son in that way. And it's like, I can do all this to you, but I still, like, he can't kill him. He can't end it. And that's like... Yeah, so there's still that that faint hope that he. Yeah, can exactly. Change. Yeah, it's the Darth Vader Luke scenario. <laughs> right. 
Like, you may have murdered a lot of children, but, like, maybe you're still a good guy. Right? <laughs> maybe those children deserved it. Yeah. Who's to say, really? We can forgive genocide and, like, the millions of, pl- of people on the different planets that you've wiped out. You know, it's all good. You killed the emperor. All is forgiven. That was also a really cool scene where he goes to, like, the, the alien planet and just annihilates it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Omni-Man. He falls yeah. in through the portal. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's... Where, yeah, that was... Yes, that was a great, that was so good because that's like you watch his son and you watch all the other like Earth's mightiest heroes, quote unquote, like fight and actually struggle. And then he goes in and it's literally nothing to him. Yep. And you're just like, oh, wow. Just flying through buildings and mountains and just destroying everything. <laughs> his wife another... even says that when, they, when Mark <laughs> says, like, you followed them through the portal. And she's like, oh, okay, that's fine. He'll be back by dinner. Yep, <laughs> that's another one of those things that like you don't realize like his actual intentions until later like you think oh he's just trying to help earth but really what it is is he's telling these other aliens leave the earth the fuck alone this is my planet and i'm right. taking yep. this planet yep. so yep. <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna kill all of you because earth is mine that's um, interesting yeah that's it's always a great sign when you can rewatch something and like find new bits with it and like new understandings well, he, even, he even says that doesn't he he's like earth isn't yours to conquer or whatever yeah just like, yeah oh, but i don't boy. i don't i don't but i don't think it's really clear why he says yeah. that at that point and then you realize later like oh he said that because he's there to conquer earth. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you can get rewatch and you're like oh boy <laughs> yeah how did i not know this after right. he killed all those men. <laughs> I, I should have uh, seen it all along. Right. <laughs> but well, that's what's um, great about this because, like, you you kind of you kind of hope, like I said earlier, that there's like some kind of extenuating circumstance that made him do that or, or something like that. But then it just turns out to be he just did it because he's a piece of shit, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> just what his people do. It's that's just it. how it like, is. There's no there's no extenuating. There's no twist. There's no. He just did it because. He's got to take over Earth, and his son is now of age, and he's hoping that now that that's happening, that his son will help him take over Earth, so he gets rid of all of these heroes that could that could potentially, you know, at least stop Mark in his, you know, yeah, infancy as a, as a hero. Yeah. So now, you know, Mark doesn't have to contend with all of these heroes if he decides to help, which obviously he doesn't. Yeah. Um, which you know is. Uh, you're, you guys are right. That is a very emotional part because you're like, you know, obviously Mark. The the crazy thing about Omni Man is he like, he he acted and played it off so good for so many years. Like he yeah. was like a good father, and you know, actually his son actually likes him, and so now uh, Mark is conflicted where he's got this close relationship with his dad, who now wants him to help kill all of his friends. You know, his mom, his own mom. So he's like, well, what do I do? You know, I, I, you know, my dad is, I'm close to my dad. And not only am I close to my dad, but he's a super powerful being that I clearly can't stop on my own. So like, right. I either join him or I possibly die um, and everyone else dies, you know? So it's just like very, very uh, yeah. deep confliction that you have to watch Mark go through <laughs> after getting annihilated at every turn yeah. already right? by yeah. everybody else. At, not only does he get annihilated by everybody else, now he has to get annihilated by his own dad. 
So like, yeah, <laughs> I think this is also like a really good example of how to do like kind of that superpower drama like correctly because a lot of films kind of like stumble over trying to make the the super beings like relatable and to, to like actually get you to emotionally connect with them, and that's like by rooting it in this family dynamic they succeed in that and like because that's why you're hurt so bad is because you know you've watched them get along as father and son and you're like fuck like i could i you were just playing catch you were literally just playing catch (laughs) and so yeah like that's a really it's a really good way to build um a solid emotional connection with your audience for something that is so large and grand of like a you know a storyline because you can get lost in all you can lose the human dynamic when you're talking about you know planets conquering each other and stuff was anybody else uh sweating it when uh it's either the last episode the second last episode when omni-man flies down to mark's friend william's car yeah it's like (laughs) oh where where's mark and it's like oh this this could go bad so yep. fast. <laughs> oh god! I, I was too. I was so nervous. <laughs> mm. Oh god! Yeah, he was another. I actually really enjoyed Mark's friend. Uh, I can't remember what was his name. Yeah. William. His name. William. Oh, William. yeah. He he was great. He was really fun. Yeah, he was good. I liked a lot of the characters. I liked uh, his girlfriend. It was really good. Amber, thought mm-hmm. was good. She did really well. Zazzy Beats and Eve was good. All the uh, Guardians of the Globe. I don't think that is that what they're called the younger ones. Yeah, they. they, they had, well, now they now they now they are. They yeah. were the the teen. A teen teen team teen team teen team. But the names are just spot on. Good name. Right? Yeah. What are they? Teens? They're a team. All right. Teen Sounds team. good. Yeah, but I like. I really enjoyed that whole uh, part of the story with them, like recruiting people. Yeah, that and, was, uh, that was the whole. Fun. The whole side plot with robot be like transferring his consciousness and stuff like that it was yeah, really that cool. Was... Monster Girl is really cool, and I like that little dynamic they built between those two. That's going to be interesting to see play out. The idea of that power is crazy too, where she can go into like a Hulk form, but then ages back a week every time. Yeah, like, that sounds like a shitty power. <laughs> the old yeah, Benjamin Button Hulk. Yep. <laughs> In a way that almost reminded me of like kind of a like that would be a power you'd see on something like Misfits, because it's yeah. like yeah. this like monkey paw type situation where like you have this ability but it comes at a horrible price and like misfits right. did stuff like that really well it kind of gave me that vibe and then she still yeah. almost died fighting machine heads crew yeah right. okay uh, zach you said what? battle the, beast the, battle beast that he's a character in the comics right oh yeah he has like his own spinoff guy. stuff he yeah. was nuts because okay, I, I was gonna say i feel like i've seen him on like the cover of some of the comics mm-hmm. so i assume he's gonna come back He's Even actually, actually name him in the show. He's actually close to like an Omni Man type of level of power when he, he like really it. gets oh. going. He's crazy, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, he goes around. He's like he's basically the predator. He like goes to other worlds and just kills people. So <laughs> just kills honestly, like prey. I kind of like I kind of like that. Uh, I like that about him because like honestly, like his character design was it's kind of generic. So I wasn't expecting yeah. that level like of a, power like out. A, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like a thundercat and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> this dude just annihilated all these yeah, people. <laughs> and then he makes that comment about like, there's no honor in killing insects and just yep. leaves. <laughs> you're like, all right, guy, whoever you were yeah. getting tied up in all this. Right. Yeah. I, yeah that, he's um, really cool. Do you guys realize Michael Weston from Burn Notice? He was Machine Head. That was Machine Head's voice. Really? I do yeah. not. <laughs> 
I, I really enjoyed him as Machine Head. Machine Head's Where another is... spot-on name, if I may say. He's got a machine <laughs> for a head. That's very, <laughs> very clever naming. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that Bruce Campbell voice next season. Uh, <laughs> it's somebody. We already had Mark Hamill and a bunch of people. So. Dude, they have all kinds yeah. of fuck people in this fucking. <laughs> I was looking through the voice cast, and it's just like so that many people. It. Like, yeah, it's wild. God, Jillian <laughs> Jacobs is in it. Yep. Zachary Quinto's in it. Yep. Like, Sandra ton of, ton of people from The Walking Dead are obviously in it because it's, uh, yeah, you know, right. yeah. Mark Millar. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Uh, Marshala, Marshala Ali is fucking Titan. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, really I didn't realize that. That's great. Yeah, even I like, like, I did like Ezra Miller is in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ezra Miller's that weird scientist dude, like the asshole. B.A. Sinclair. Oh, yeah. the guy who was making the, the zombie people. Or yeah. yeah. Which was it? I was going to bring that up. That was a, kind of a really cool, like, side quest type yeah of, yeah that was, that was an when he goes to visit that college that was a pretty cool yeah that was really freaky uh, where he's just like kidnapping yeah people, i absolutely him. loved how they treated him afterwards when he's just yeah, like, yeah. like they're using his robots to fight omni-man but he's just like you shut the hell up you <laughs> get him yep. right here <laughs> yeah you're a piece of shit we're I, just I, we're I, using like, your stuff i really like the way they take the like um like titan was like the first bad guy that uh invincible fought and then he shows up for his full episode later, and then Sinclair has his episode, and then like he shows up later as like a uh, an extra character that they are using to try to stop Omni Man. Right. And I think they do a really good job of like introducing someone, even if it's brief, and then tying them into what else is going on. Yeah, That's true. yeah, it really makes even the the quote unquote filler episodes like connect. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like cool. good world building, like. Yeah, it, it felt like something that would happen in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. To be honest, <laughs> you'd introduce some like minor bad guy, and then they would show up later and be like, "Hey, I just uh, need some help from you. Yep. I don't actually yeah. want to fight." Yeah, oh, I remember you. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's a good like way to have a throwback and also like build on these characters more, so that because if if another random villain had showed up to talk to Invincible, I don't think it would have worked quite as well, because we wouldn't know who they were. Right. Whereas Titan, we didn't know much about him going in, but we recognized him from that first interaction, so there was already that connection with Invincible. Yes. And I think they do a really good job of playing off those sorts of dynamics. Yeah. I agree. It was really good. I'm very excited for season two. (laughs) Whenever that comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Zach, from the comics, do you know anywhere like is it going to get into more of the space stuff does it st- do you think it's going to stay more grounded on earth um, like, it's, do you have any guesses as to where for it's for season two it's kind of hard to say like i don't want to spoil anything but like right. when omni-man leaves that that he's gone for a while in the comics oh, okay like for a good while but then after that stuff after uh after after he's gone for a while it does go into like more space stuff and like, okay. like it goes heavy into that stuff, like later in the comics. So, but do I don't know how likely to see, see more like of the fallout of Omni Man leaving back on Earth before, yeah. and then season three maybe, yeah, he'll come back and do space stuff. Yeah, I think they might. I think at the end, maybe the end of season two, they'll bring they'll, they'll like bring it into the space stuff. But they might intercut, like you're following what's going on at Earth, and then like three episodes in, you have an episode that's devoted to like where Omni Man went. And then 
you like go well, back? And... I don't. I don't think they will. I think it'll be because when you find out where Omni-Man went or what he's doing, or whatever, it's really important. Okay. So I feel like it's it's also like kind of a big thing. So, oh, so you think they'll leave that for like a cliffhanger for the yeah. end of season two? Yeah, yeah. that's what I think. I think they'll still will will deal with a bunch of crime stuff that's happening on Earth, and like right. the fallout of obviously Omni Man, like you said. And then maybe at the end it'll be like, well, here's a hint at what he, where he's been, or where they're going off to see him or find him or whatever, mm-hmm. and then stuff like that. But we'll see. I, yeah. Do they have a? Do we know when season two is coming out? Did we talk about that? I think it's next summer. Next summer, I believe. Nice. I think so. I think it's summer twenty twenty two. Then they have season three is a thing too. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, they got signed on for two more. Nice. Then we have the boys coming out that next summer too. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Season three. Also very excited for. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another. I think. Go, going back to the comparison between the two, um, when. The when people like when Invincible first came out, I wasn't all that excited for it. Um, like I said, I mostly watched it because J.K. Simmons, right? I can't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, because I was expecting it to be sort of like what the boys' comics are of just like, oh, it's superheroes and it's really violent and like whatever, um, which didn't really get me all that excited for it. And then I started watching it, and I think there are similarities, but I think they diverge pretty quickly. Where yeah. <clears throat> Invincible is more about, like we said, that coming of age story and Mark trying his best to be a superhero that he has pictured in his head. And mm-hmm. The Boys has more of that, like, commentary on, like, corruption and yeah. you know, what happens when, like, this corporation is trying to pass laws to get involved in war. Yeah. Then they have a profit for war. And, like, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Uh, what happens when the government they, controls superheroes? Yeah, what yeah. happens when superheroes are franchised? <laughs> yeah, so I think it gets more heavily into like commentary on like franchises and corporate greed and all that, which is ironic that Amazon is making it. Yeah, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> really. Well, imposed too. They got yeah. a, a monopoly on these kinds of superheroes. Yeah, I think that I think that's kind of like the start, like the stark difference. It's like it's almost like the boys is like what what happened with superheroes in like the real world and yeah. invincible is just kind of like what would really happen with superheroes like just in general where like it shows yeah, like yeah. i think that's a good like, way to phrase what, it yeah what what happens what so we kind of talked about this earlier it's we were saying like what would happen in superman but like no like when you think about it the shit that's happening in invincible with like these people dying like when buildings get destroyed, that shit happens in Superman. You just don't see it. <laughs> like yeah. that stuff's yeah. still happening. People are still dying when Superman is destroying buildings, fighting someone. This just actually shows that happening and shows you like what's actually happening when like these massive battles and stuff are happening between superheroes and villains. And, you know, right. it, it's kind of like showing like what, ha- what actually happens in comics. Whereas the boys is like a, you know, a view of what would happen with superheroes in the real world, in right. corporate America or corporate yeah. Earth, you know, where yeah. everything is a profit, including superheroes. So, um, yeah. so that's, that's kind of a cool, it. cool difference, like, yeah. I think. The, the boys is real life with superheroes and Invincible is superhero world with a little bit of more real life. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They're both both very good at what they do. They are. Yes. Yeah. They both have surprised me, um, 
both of them I went into kind of ex not expecting much. Um, sort of both because of the reputation that their comics had. Yeah. And then both of them surprised me in a very good way. Yeah. And sure. I, I've said it before, but man, the production value and the cinematography on The Boys is unreal. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's very good. good. Yeah. Supernatural. Like that was one of his, that was, he went from Supernatural, he did a couple other little things, and now he's doing The Boys. Oh, and really? He's having, like, big Supernatural oh, wow. with Jensen. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy that. because Supernatural's production value and cinematography is not very good at all. So. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> CW shows. Yeah. You got that, yeah. got that Amazon money now. Yeah, yeah. that's true, I guess. Infinite yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus. Building penis-shaped rockets. Yeah. That's what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> God, but yeah, I'm very excited for next season of both of those shows. But yeah, because overall, specifically, yeah. Um, like they took a turn very hard from the comics because, yeah. like, the big reveal in the comics um, is something that I think has already been debunked in the show. That pretty much Black Noir was just made to kill Homelander. Yeah, um, and he just does in like one. <laughs> like one page of the comics. Um, and it's a pretty well-known thing amongst like the comic fans. Um, even me who didn't read the comics, like I had heard the plot twist before. Um, so them diverging for what I can tell almost entirely from the comics has been a very good thing. Cause it keeps everybody yeah. guessing as to what's going on. Yeah. I didn't read super far into the boys, but I read, I read all the comic, like big comic parts. Just to kind of compare them, but yeah, the boys' comics is very different from the show. Yeah. Like, like you said, the killing butcher's wife. Yeah, like you said, um, Black Noir in the comics is a is a clone of Homelander. Yeah, who is made to kill Homelander. <laughs> yeah, if if he gets out of line. But um, isn't the is it the Nazi character like? It's a dude. It's a dude, and isn't he like yeah. way more intense in the comics or something like that? Yeah. I mean, oh, everything's yeah, more intense than the comics. The comics well, are fair. ridiculous. <laughs> the comics, yeah. like, much like Kick-Ass, the comics goes, like, so far beyond what's, like, acceptable. Purposefully. Yeah. Like, it's, that's yeah. the whole shtick. Yeah. I but, also like, yeah. very much dislike the ending of the boys' comics. I think it's just bad. I so agree. I'm really hoping they don't do that in, yeah. in the real one. Yeah, I, I, I heard in the comics, and, I, you know, I, this is kind of going into spoiler territory for the boys, I guess. Um, I know in the comics, and I... I really hope they don't do this in the show, but I heard in the comics that uh, uh, Carl Urban's character, Butcher. Um, Butcher, ends up going turning bad or some shit, too. Yeah, um, so yeah. in the comics, the boys end up all taking the serum and getting superpowers to fight oh, yeah. the superheroes. Mm. And then Butcher is like, well, now you're all superheroes, so now I have to kill all of you. Yep. I mean, that's uh, kind of cool, actually. I kind of like that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I said, think he kills everyone... Except <laughs> Huey, right? That's kind of yeah. that's actually kind of cool. So, I, I kind of like that. Um, I, yeah, so I wouldn't I mind if like they stuck with that. Them but... becoming superheroes. Yeah, I don't really like that either. I kind of like the whole like average Joes fighting against superheroes. It's kind of yeah. yeah. a cool Outsmarting concept. Outsmarting them or just um, yeah. yeah goofing their way through it. It kind of loses the shtick. Yeah. yeah. But, so uh, and that's like I said. I think so far they've done a very good job of diverting from the comics. Yes. Uh, and so I imagine they will keep doing that. And the writers that they have have been doing a really good job. So 
I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that they're not going to come up with something good. Yeah, they made exactly. Butcher. They made Butcher too. Well, Carl Urban made Butcher too likable of yeah. a character. I feel <laughs> yeah. like too. Uh... So, Carl Urban's just I very likable. A really good example though of like a studio or or not a studio of a writer and a creative um, diverging from the comic while still retaining like the essence of what makes the comic the comic. Because yeah. we've seen some adaptations change too much without like keeping enough the same. We've seen some adaptations remain even too faithful to where it's still you're like that doesn't quite translate correctly yeah. and stuff. So I think I think the boys is a really good. And of course, fanboys will argue all over the place about w- which is better, a static <laughs> adaptation boys. or you know letting a creative put their own spin on it and stuff. But I think I think everyone can, can agree this is an example of when that works. Yes. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of stuff that doesn't inherently work well from comics to uh, TV and movies. And I think in some cases it's done very poorly. And yes. like I said, yeah. this is um, – I also think <laughs> Marvel has been doing that very good with their recent uh, Disney Plus shows. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't watched Black Widow yet, so I can't I comment enjoyed. on that. But uh, like Loki I think was phenomenal. Falcon yep. and Winter Soldier, WandaVision have all been really good, and they're different enough that even as a Marvel fan, I can keep wondering what's going to happen and still have that connection of like, oh, this is still Loki. He's the Loki yeah. I know from the comics. He's making mischief. He's causing problems. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he's an alligator, and that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the show is still good enough on its own that you don't need that connection from the comic. Right, yeah. And that's something that, like, I think it's kind of funny because it's uh, Star Wars fans have been saying this for years, and I'm sure eventually in a little bit we'll be saying the same about Marvel, where it's just like sometimes it's, it's just better in the shows. Like, like the so Star yeah. Wars shows have have at this point surpassed the majority of the films in terms of quality. Yeah. And and Marvel as well. These shows are like leaps and bounds over some, not all, but some of their movies. And it's like when you're able to just really sit with a character and delve into them and like yeah. spend more time with them, it's almost always like a richer kind of experience. Right. And stuff. That's like even as much as I enjoyed, I enjoyed Black Widow more than I actually thought I would, um, and it has nothing to do with like the action or whatever. Um, it's just like because it was Scarlett Johansson, and because I've been with her as a character for all these like different side missions and stuff. It, for me, there was a really great emotional attachment to her, and emotional attachment to what was going on in the film around her and why things were affecting her. Um, but as much as I enjoyed it, it was still like, it's only two hours and I can sit and, you know, spend four and a half to six with Loki and have way more. <laughs> and it's like, that's no knock to the film because the film does what it does really great, but it's only supposed to be there for two hours. Right. And Loki is supposed to be there for longer. So therefore I enjoy, you know, my time with it more. Yeah. I did want to, I did just want to bring in, uh, the conversation back to like, uh, you know, comics uh, to to shows and kind of like how writing can improve it or make it worse. Mm-hmm. So, like I said earlier, I, I've been watching through The Walking Dead again, and the last yeah. time I watched it, I think I watched up to the end of season seven. Um, and I don't know how much you guys have watched that show, if any at all. I've seen very um, little. Season seven but... premieres when I stopped. That first episode with Negan was what killed it for me. Well, I don't. That's a weird. That's that's kind of a weird 
That's kind of, I'll have to ask you why, because I don't, that's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, because season seven, so season seven to me is good, but then like they, I don't know if it was just the writing for how they had to draw out the, you know, episodes for more seasons or what, but my fucking God, did they draw out the whole Negan thing? Oh my yep. God. It's like yep. painful. It's painful. See, that's. They just recycle the same shit over and over and over and over and over again. Where like they almost catch him, but he escapes. And like apparently the villains in The Walking Dead are invincible, and Rick's group just gets fucked at every corner, which <laughs> kind of happens in the comic. But the, the way the show does it, it's just drawn out so long that it's just like, oh my god! And this is like an an example of where like because I, I think they have different writers than just Robert Kirkman, obviously. Yeah. Um. And and I understand that they have to like have episodes to fill up a whole season or whatever, but like it's just like and I'm still watching it. Like I, I'm still hanging on. Um. I'm 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 into season nine now. Um. But oh my god, they just drug out the whole Negan thing for so long, which yeah. is a shame because like in the comics, the whole Negan stuff is like super interesting and like tense. But like you lose all the tension whenever it just gets drawn out so yeah. long. Um, so, but, but why did you, uh, why did you, why did that first episode? Well, okay. So seven... like, all right. So walking dead has a problem where I don't know if it's AMC. That's the problem or whatever, but they go through showrunners faster than any show I've ever seen because Frank Darabont was showrunner for the first se like season and a half. And then like partway through making a season two, he left and then, Another, I believe, I believe Scott Glenn, I think is his name. He took over for a little bit, and now, and then they switched to another like pair. Like I think they're on like what season eleven or twelve is going to be the final season. Eleven. At this they're point, on. That series has got has eleven seasons, and I swear to God they have had, had at least seven showrunners, and I don't know why. But that I think is part. I think that's part of the kind of inconsistency because now when you're when you're working on a show like that, your mandate is to keep it the show. When you're a writer in a writer's room, if I'm writing for Rick and Morty, I'm there not to write Brett's stuff. I am there to write a Rick and Morty script. Right now, they chose me because they liked my ideas or they like this and this. But I still need to keep in mind that this is a Rick and Morty show. If I'm on if I'm writing for Walking Dead, I can't exactly write like the boys, like a different kind of thing. Right. So yeah. that they, they want to make sure the tone remains consistent. However, quality of writing can shift drastically based on uh, who your showrunner is and how versed they are in that kind of stuff. Um, so the reason I actually stopped watching Walking Dead was because I had felt this kind of creep up in the show, this problem. And I think the season seven premiere is what like personified this problem so perfectly that I went, okay, this is it. I'm done. And that is once you get to season seven, I believe they are no longer putting telling a good story above fucking with their audience. I think once you got to season seven, the priority of the writing on that show became let's see how we can mess with our audience and, ch and change and fuck with our audience's expectations instead. And that I think that hindered them just telling a good story. 
because telling a good story then became secondary to make sure we have these big moments then like that was that was like the height of 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 everyone talking about tv around the water cooler game of thrones walking dead um mad men was in its like final seasons breaking bad you had all these top tier shows competing and they are all needed these like really really big standout shocking moments to keep viewers watching because Game of Thrones did something crazy last week. Have you seen what's going on with Game of Thrones last week? Like, you know what I mean? So I think them them manipulating their audience and putting shock value over story is what did it for me because I have compendiums one through three of Walking Dead. I like the comic a lot. And so I was aware of, like, who would die when Negan showed up. And I was aware that they would have to change that and stuff. But I think... I think they they made a misstep with killing off um, Glenn and Abraham, because once you killed off Glenn spoilers. and made Abraham's death, like <laughs> sorry, just, yeah, spoilers for like I've five years. Okay. <laughs> spoilers <laughs> like, for everything. Like yeah. like when Abraham dies, it's a shock, and you're like, oh my gosh. I was emotionally attached to Abraham. And then Glenn dies and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm concerned far more with Glenn than like, it was almost like his death overshadowed the death that you just had happen. And I was like, I don't like how that turned out. And also just for me, it actually started with the very opening sequence of that first episode. It's because they had, they ended on the crazy cliffhanger of Negan. And they knew, they knew their audience was coming into this first episode of like what's happening with Negan. So it was like, they purposefully were like, okay, so we start and it's days later. And like, no one gives a shit about that. We all want to know what happened with yeah, Negan. Yeah, that's true. They're yeah, that like, was weird. Cause to be like, oh, are we going to show what happened now? No, 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 no. We're going to make you wait. We're going to make yeah, you wait. Yeah, that was weird. No, that's what you're here for. And like, that's what I didn't like. They were, they, they were more concerned with toying with their audience than they were with telling like a good dramatic story. If you want yeah, a good dramatic Negan story, you need to watch the Dave Chappelle skit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. If you want the real Negan scene from season seven, you got to watch the Dave Chappelle skit. <laughs> it's so good. But, no, that's fair. And you're right. And that's kind of what I mean, like how they how they draw it out. Like they, mm -hmm. that first season, that first episode of that season is like where they start just drawing shit out. Like, yeah. And it's just been so frustrating. And and this is what I mean about it. just like there's good comic to show like The Boys and Invincible. And then, well, The Walking Dead was good for a while. Yes. But then I still own season one. Really, I still kept season one. Like I it still really got <laughs> yeah. kind of bad. And it was it was weird how because I don't remember in the comics if Negan kills two people at that point. I, I think he only like I think he only kills Glenn yeah, in the comic. I think that was their because, way of like making it crazier than the comic and Which is I, weird cuz like they, in the comics Abraham is already is already dead by that point cuz right. in the yeah. comics in the comics he gets shot in the head with the arrow by mm -hmm. Dwight instead of that Denise lady. So right. it's like they intentionally kept him alive for the Negan scene so they could kill him. Yep. Yep. and Glenn yeah. at, the, at that scene. It was like, what? That's weird. See, and another but, uh... thing was they tried to change your expectation. They, they tried to fuck things around for people who read the comics because they were like, well, we don't want it to be exactly the same. So they messed with expectations 
by killing different people. But then the problem was once you killed like this this person instead of like once we killed Jeremy instead of Lisa, then they didn't bother doing anything with Lisa afterwards. <laughs> like there was like you 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 killed off these characters and you had these people remain, but then like you still like only focused on Rick and like didn't bother like giving these sur- other survivors like any meaningful stories. Yeah. But yeah, so that that was just my uh example of like and it's it's funny because it's a Robert Kirkman mm-hmm. thing, and it's yeah. just like um, I heard there's supposed to be like a Walking Dead movie at some point too. I don't know. Yep. But there's um, yeah, I think the guy there's like there's like spinoff shows really coming, like a Carol and Daryl spinoff fucking show. It's and insane. Like, like I I my jaw dropped when I realized Fear of the Walking Dead is on like season six or seven or something like that. I never like, even watched an episode of that. I, I I forgot that that spinoff was a thing, and let alone it's still going, and it's been on for that long. Wow. Yeah, but uh, I actually heard that show gets better than The Walking Dead. Is what I've heard. I've I heard, heard that. I've heard that too. Actually, that. I've heard that too. But yeah, that's enough about The Walking Dead, though. I'm sure. <laughs> that anyway. I'm sorry, I didn't. Have, I didn't have much input. I haven't seen. No, it. no, that's okay. I do, I just wanted to bring that up. And, and somebody had to because you know again it's right. an it's, a, it's relative because you know it's a robert kirkman thing right but, comic yeah. book um, stuff it's also i think there's i think there is an odd difference between adapting something from a graphic novel series and adapting something from comic books in general like let's compare walking dead and loki walking dead is based on a specific storyline like chronological art it is one yeah. comic series yeah, comics have a lot more to yeah. end. <laughs> whereas like something more generalized like marvel is like well loki's taking from decades of different loki comics different yeah. loki stories and stuff and like that's almost like we can tell whatever we can tell whatever story we want and then we just pull things from the comics whereas walking dead or the boys is like or watchmen is like more of like a a strict adaptation because yeah. there's only like one story to pull from. Right. Yeah. Comics, comics in general are kind of hard to get in, get into because of just the branching that it has for so many of them. Like if you want to jump into like, say you wanted to just start reading like a Spider-Man comic, it's really hard to tell people where to start Yeah. because there's so many different versions. Yep. There's so many you're going to get to a certain part in that story where it's going to branch off to like eight different characters doing something or like Spider-Man leaves and is in a different comic. And it's like a little panel in the corner, like oh, this happened, refer to this comic. Yeah. And it's just like, I, it's a huge investment. I usually yeah. just, if I want to start reading a comic, I usually just look up like what the best like story arcs are, you know, like yeah. if I want to read Batman, people say, read the killing joke. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. will tell you like, you know what arc to read or yeah. whatever so i always um, point people to those like collections that they have that are like one they're like graphic novel size but it's yeah. just like a like an arc it's one collection of right uh, like one like, run of the like comic. you can like you can oh. buy like a graphic novel of the killing joke if you want to read you know which is just like yeah. a compendium of all those comics yeah, in, yes, in yeah. One. even even with the I volumes, it's, it can get kind of hard too, though, because I have like oh, can because I have like some of those still references and stuff to other comics that you haven't read. Yeah, because yeah. there'll be yeah. it'll, one comic will end on like like I have the um, the one on my desk right now is like all the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man stuff, and there's just like it, one of the comics kind of ends on like a kind of a cliffhanger, 
and then the next one starts like in a completely different place. Yeah. It's like this was resolved in this comic, and I'm like, uh. There are other tie-ins yeah. and stuff, and that's it's also it I think tough. it's interesting yeah. and it's also neat because you have different like variations on a character. You had different writers. You had Todd McFarlane put his spin on Spider-Man, which is very, very different from Steve Ditko's spin on Spider-Man, which is very, very different from Kirby's spin on Spider-Man, which is very different from Lee's spin on you know what I mean? It's like each person kind of came in. And you have the different, the ultimate Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, the spectacular Spider-Man, you know, these different variations on a character to the point where, like, I've seen people complain about designs, like, in a movie or an adaptation, just because, like, it came from, a, like, a design that they weren't aware of. Or, like, I grew up on this version of Spider-Man, but the new movie isn't based on that version of Spider-Man, so he looks different. Yeah. Like, I mean, say what you will about, like, other elements of the X-Men franchise, but I saw a person talking about the design of Beast and the way he looked and how he didn't like that, how he had a nose and this, and he doesn't look like that in the comics. And I was like, well, that specific uh, visual version of him was taken off of the Ultimates run, where he was more based on uh, the, like, Wolfman, and he had, like, the nose and stuff like that, and they just didn't like it. They were like, that's not my beast kind of I thing. Like, say... I just don't like that because of this, like, you know, regardless, even if it is based on this version of the comic, it's not based on my version of the comic, right? Yeah, hashtag that's not my beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could talk for hours on the X-Men movies. You're right, yeah. Why yeah. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, beast visual <laughs> design is not one of my complaints. <laughs> right i will say that yeah. even as like, like i understand like, like we said with uh invincible and at the beginning of this things don't translate always well from comic books to live action stuff yeah. like it's much easier to do a comic book into a cartoon mm -hmm. than it is to do a movie or a live action tv show because you have to redesign things things don't yes. look right in live action uh, that are from the comics. It just doesn't always work as a one-to-one -one thing. Um, and that's fine. Going back to the whole tie-in of changing things from the comics, you can change stuff and still be faithful and still keep the heart of what makes it good. Right, yes. You yeah. can also be too faithful and lose the heart of what makes it good by just trying to copy it as a cash grab. Yeah. <laughs> without any of that like love and dedication that's put behind the original source yeah. material. One, of, most of, the one of the most notorious examples of that, not a superhero thing, but Gus Van Zandt's remake of Psycho, which was literally just a shot-for-shot, shot, almost almost directly shot-for-shot shot remake of the original, and everyone hated it. Why? Because it was literally just a shot-for-shot shot remake. Like, you didn't, yeah. like, there was nothing it's, in uh... that film to distinguish it or justify why it should exist alongside the yeah. original. Like why? the uh, new Lion King movie. The... Say that again? The photorealistic Lion King. Oh, it, yes, kind of yeah. it was like word for word the same with like Zazu being an exception and Timon and Pumbaa had some different dialogue. But yeah. every other character, exactly the same. And yep. it just didn't, just it didn't wasn't work. as good. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why does this need to, if it's the same thing, why does it need to exist? Like, yes. Yeah. So there's definitely something to be said for translating stuff and keeping the heart of what makes it good rather than keeping it exactly the same just to keep it exactly the same. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I can't say as far as Invincible goes, again, having never, Zach's the only one who's read the comics. I don't know if it's as 
if do you think that translates well, Zach? Do you think the comics had that same appeal that they kept in the show, or do you think they've changed it to make it have more broad appeal? Um, I mean, obviously, it's it was a very it was a pretty fan, popular comic book because it went on for like sixteen years or something. Yeah, but um, I think they did a better job with the uh, the animation, the the show, just to make it people it really pull people in more. Mm-hmm. I think that's obviously because of time constraints, but um, I just think it does a better job. I feel like kind of like how I got lost when I was reading it, or fell out of it when I was reading it because it felt so generic at first. Uh, the TV show has a, the benefit of pulling you in a lot faster with like the big moments. Yeah. Do you think the characters' um, strengths kind of stayed the same? Like, do you like the same characters in the comics that you like in the show, or do you like different um, characters in each? I think I like characters in each because they're a little different. I feel like because you get more time to uh, obviously more time in the comics to deal with certain characters right. than you do in the show, like the um, the teen team characters. Uh, okay. I I feel like I like I like Rex Explode a lot more in the comics than I did in the show. Like I still ended up liking him for the most part in the show, but they delve a lot more deep into him in the comics and like okay. the whole the whole story with robot and stuff like that it kind of it lingers a little longer and makes him seem more like he's doing something nefarious for longer okay it's kind of i don't know was cooler in the comics i think a little but, more suspenseful yeah because and obviously in the, the anime uh God, i keep wanting to say anime <laughs> but um in the show uh obviously you got to get that stuff done so it was kind of just one episode dedicated to it other than him like every now and then in particular episodes being like hinting at it a little right. bit they really pull a lot more of that in the in the comics but yeah. i think the show is definitely better for the wider audience <laughs> well, now, especially it's, nowadays it's kind of interesting to to think too because like you have to imagine like the level of uh you know at least decent writing that they have to do for these shows. Cause like, I think we forget that like, you know, in this age of, you know, we are on like what, like 12 years of Marvel movies or some shit like that. Like, I think that has made a lot of people forget that like comics and comic reading is still a very niche thing. Like, yeah, just because there's a lot of like movies and TV shows of comic books now does not mean that comics are more mainstream than they ever have been before. They're still quite niche. Like people still, don't really yeah. read comics a lot. So because like, why read a comic when I can watch a movie? Well, yeah. exactly. But and, that, and that's my point. Like these writers have to like translate this something that's still very you know niche over to something that's going to appeal to a massive audience of like normies, if you will. So like it's it's I mean it, to any level, like even the poor the piss poor writing of the later you know, Walking Dead is still probably takes a lot of, you know, ingenuity to still draw in yeah. people to still have enough ratings to go 11 seasons. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, it's so very... it's, it, it's impressive either way. Um, even if the writing is kind right. of shitty, you know, at that parts, <laughs> it's very interesting as a writer looking at different shows and where their strengths are. Um, for example, my girlfriend just, um, she's been obsessed with manifest. So I started watching that. And that, I heard that show, show's really good, by the way. It's it's interesting because it's like, okay, the the dialogue and the acting, not that great. 
very boilerplate, very, not very layered or anything, just very like it is what it is surface level. But somehow that show is still able to hit all the emotional beats that it needs to hit. And it has a really great like central mystery and like, like what, like every episode ends and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like I need to know and stuff. So that's like, that's where their strength is and they know it. And so it's very interesting as a writer looking and going, okay, so this is where they're like banking on. This is what they can kind of like lean on. And like these elements, while they may not be quite as strong, you can kind of either forgive or kind of look past or whatever, because you know, this part is what you're in for. You're not here. You're not watching manifest for like the emotion of this, this, or this you're watching to find out what the hell happened on that flight, like kind of thing. And walking dead as weak as some of their later stuff got and like character stuff got, they still like, they still brought the goods when it came to the suspense and like the zombie kills and stuff like that. And that's why like people kept returning, you know? And it's just kind of like you always, a show is always at its best when it has to try really hard. And unfortunately with a lot of shows in their later seasons, you don't have to try so much any hard. Walking they already got the audience reeled in, so yeah, yeah, like exactly, and so a lot of shows have trouble with that. Like once you get to a certain spot, you're like, okay, well they don't care anymore. Yeah. So be honest with me, Brett. Is Manifest just the Dollar General lost? Um, <laughs> there are definitely a lot of comparisons to Lost. Um, I feel it in terms of it has that mystery box type of writing with like there is a central story and i don't know if they'll be able to stick the landing um people argue to this day over whether or not lost stuck the landing um so big no from me dog (laughs) i was gonna say i don't know who's arguing that they did i've mostly heard um so yeah i don't i mean as of right now it does seem a little bit like a lesser version of lost however I still am only in season one, and uh, well, majority of shows. And get... he just said his girlfriend likes it, so he can't say it's bad. That's true. <laughs> what if she listens and then she breaks but, up with exactly. Him? Didn't <laughs> uh, but didn't it get canceled anyway? Okay, so yeah, so they they got canceled after season three, but they're apparently in talks with Netflix and NBC for either a fourth season or just like a movie to wrap everything up. Um, but okay. So, so no, I think so far again, I'm only like halfway through season one so far. It's a, it's a flawed show, but it's got a really great central mystery and some really great, like thematic stuff that they're playing around with. And I'm curious to see like where they go from there. There's a lot of like religious connotations and like they're linking certain things. And I just like, I don't know, like Evangelion does that kind of stuff with like the religious iconography and stuff lost did a little bit of that too so a little bit that was like like, the whole damn thing in lost stupid (laughs) (laughs) well lost yeah like i don't i I, honestly i never finished lost um don't waste your time how quote unquote like biblical that show got very okay all right it basically it it basically turns out that the whole time on the island they're in purgatory so like Okay. It just turns pretty, into pretty it just turns into biblical. It's like God. See, at least manifest is a little more straightforward. Now it's still unclear 
but several characters think it is related to something religious, Listen. whereas other characters are like, this is a sci-fi thing, and then other characters are like, this is whatever, supernatural or something. Like, If, the, if Manifest can stick the landing, then Lost will be the discount Manifest. That's, so. no, that's, that's, that's... There you go. <laughs> that's pretty much where it is right now. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. All I know, I get all my religious stuff from uh, Righteous Gemstones. It's all I know. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. That's oh, a great show. great show. That was good. That was, that was uh, wonderful. <laughs> well, right. guys, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or want to wrap it up there? I, mean, I think we're going on, what, two hours? About an hour and hour yeah. and 45 we're getting yeah. close to. So, so I think yeah. I, so I, I probably I'm, wrap it up. I don't, I don't have much more to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think we covered all the bases. Yep, yep. I think that's yeah. Good. No, I think I think for like a good wrap up for me at least, um, I would give Invincible probably like a an eight point eight to like a nine out of ten. Like I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's an extremely strong start to the show. Um, I don't know. It, it could it could get even better, and it could honestly it could get worse. I don't know. Um, where we're at right now, I really do like it. Um, although what the, the one thing that like keeps me from liking it as much as I did is just how painful some of it got. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because I, I, I don't even necessarily see that as like a diss because that means it did what it did properly. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but it's still like really hard to watch at times. <laughs> yeah. I think I definitely... My my biggest recommendation would be again go into it without knowing about like what happens as few spoilers as possible. Yeah, don't listen to this podcast. Don't listen. <laughs> Rewind. If you're it this far, I'm sorry. To, listen to it backwards to erase all of the noise. If you're this um, far, you're you you, yeah, you learn too much. Um, <laughs> just like I said, it it very much. I, I had known about it by reputation, and I thought it was going to be very much like a cookie cutter. Oh, this is a superhero thing, but we're violent. Isn't that cool? Right. And it's it caught me so off guard and pulled me in so well. Um, yeah. And like I said, the every character is good. The side uh, stories are really strong. Everything about it comes together really well. And I, I would agree, probably nine out of ten, if if we're putting on a scale, um, for yeah. as at least for season one, I think they established the world in a great way built up the characters like they needed to brought in enough villains that are interesting and have different yeah. motivations and brought the family dynamic and everything really well. Yeah. Uh, and JK Simmons really pulled it home with just wanting to like that character so bad and he's right. killing people and you're like, I want to like you still stop killing people. <laughs> but uh, everything it's, it just was, was phenomenal. Yeah, I think that show is also a really good example of how to how to give an audience something new while living within within convention, because I think a lot of and this doesn't even necessarily uh, apply to just superhero stuff. But seeing as how the superhero genre has taken off, it's yeah. the one where it's we really see this um, most. But like there are times when you see a superhero or a show just try too hard to make itself to differentiate itself. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're a superhero tale, but we're doing this and this and this. And then this is like twisted. And then we have this as well. And it's like sometimes you keep it conventional, but then you just change that one thing. And that one change 
is like where you you know put all your you put all your fruit in that basket and that's like what really makes it memorable then mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i very much enjoyed the show i thought i thought in a lot of aspects it was better than the comics and there was i'd give it like a nine out of ten only because there's there's maybe one episode that kind of was lackluster to me but everything else was really good yeah i liked was it all the, the characters episode? No, it was actually the um, the one where they introduced the. I know this is probably going to be controversial, but the one where they introduced introduced the like zombie cyborg things. I thought it was just like oh the okay. college one. Okay. Yeah, all right, yeah. But that one was already. I know it was more of like a character development thing, mm-hmm. but but I still I still liked it. I just thought it was weaker than the other ones for me. Yeah. But I'd still give it like a nine out of ten. It's very good. I can't wait for the second season. And it just can't come soon enough. There's so many superhero things coming out and. We're just lucky to live in a time I live in where I love that kind of stuff, and it's right. as good as it is. Yeah. So <laughs> when we're used to having like X Men and Fantastic Four stuff just be trash, at least we have this stuff to begin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey man, th- those movies, uh, those movies being bad, uh, they walked so everything else could run. I guess <laughs> that's, so. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but uh, I agree. I think I would probably give Invincible season one a nine out of ten. For me, I think it's on a perfect 10, and I know that the whole point was to be this way, but man, it was just rough to watch Mark just yeah. fail over yeah, and over yes. and over again. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the point, so maybe that shouldn't detract from it, but it yeah, I mean, that's just kind sucked. Of, yeah, it's like how <laughs> like, I felt. It's like, you did your job really well, but my God, it still hurt. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, they made him such a likable character, just like with how wholesome he was with like just wanting to be a superhero following in his dad's footsteps and like for all intents and purposes should have the power to do that. And just like, yep. I don't know if it was his half human side that was, uh, you know, made him slightly weaker. He just, well, got they do worse. say, they do say that Viltrumites get stronger the older they are. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Okay. And That's I think I, to so. me, it was a lot of like, well, Omni man has just years and years and years That's of true. experience. Yeah. Well. I mean, it, it's yeah. not like, it's kind of like we said, like the expectation of like, I get my powers, so you know. Does that mean I automatically know how to fight now? No, it doesn't. Yeah, right. If you don't know how to yeah. fight, you know, your powers are useless against somebody who has powers and also knows how to fight. So, yeah. um, yes. you know, he just didn't have the experience and the knowledge and the training and the skills to, you know, utilize his powers. So he just got wrecked at every turn. So just season light. two is just going to be like a ten episode montage, training montage. I does need to get better. Honestly, I hope I I don't know how what I hope for the second season. I hope I kind of hope that like it skips forward a little bit of time, so maybe Mark is a little bit more, uh, yeah. you know, adept at being uh, you know, a superhero. But at the same time, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing him grow, uh, you know, in yeah. real time as well. So, um, either way, I'll probably be satisfied. But, um, but yeah, season one, nine out of ten. Um, it sucked to watch Mark get annihilated every every time <laughs> yeah. he tried to do good. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Yep. That's fair. All right, so we're a solid nines around. It's a yeah. very good show. So all right. Well, thank you too for being on. Hey, thanks really for having me. Yeah, thank of you. Of course. Gladly talk about any superhero stuff anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back on. But um yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate having you on. It's uh it's a good way to 
pick back up after our last episode, which I think we recorded in like the middle of May. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. Like a few we, months ago, yeah. You know, life. Maybe we can get on track this time. <laughs> life, yeah. Who knows? Life's uh, <laughs> life is crazy. So yeah, you know, yeah, we uh, unfortunately we're not to the level where we can do this as our job. So <laughs> yeah. we have One, uh, okay. jobs that we have to work and stuff. So yeah, maybe someday. Maybe not. Or whatever. <laughs> Probably <laughs> but... not, because everybody and their mom can make a podcast. So. That's true. There's a billion podcasts, but this is still fun to do. Love talking to people. Yeah, it's so. it's still fun. So it, that's what's uh, important at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, did you want to plug anything, Brett? Yo, if you're listening to this podcast, come on down to theholygoof.com or go to our Holy Goof channel on YouTube. We got Brett's Flicks, we got Anime for Amateurs, we got Zach's Record Reviews, we got all kinds of great media stuff. There is some brand new uh, stuff out, and this month will actually, there's going to be a lot in uh, August. We are celebrating one year of activity. We've been around. Congrats. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So one the first, first year, we're a year old, so we've been putting out a bunch of different reviews and things, and we will continue to do that all month long. So keep an eye out. Sweet deal. Sean, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, oh, uh, okay. I, adopt, oh. adopt a dog. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> adopt, <laughs> you don't buy, adopt, don't buy from breeders. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. my plug. Because you, uh, as we know, work at an animal shelter around the Pittsburgh area. So yes, yes, and uh, there is sort of a national influx into shelters now that people are going back to work, getting out of quarantine. People had a lot of time in quarantine, so a lot of them got pets, and now uh, that they're going back to work, they have less time, and they're getting rid of those pets. Oh, so, yeah, I think I saw, I think I saw on Facebook there was like a the Philly shelter, right? Yeah, that you were talking about. And that's like a hundred dogs they need to like get rid yeah. of or something. Nationally, oh. there has been a big. It's a really sad topic to talk end of the show on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's been a big influx of people taking their pets to shelters. So yeah. anybody out there who's looking for a new pet, uh, go to a shelter and adopt. Yes, for sure. All right, and uh, I love you guys. Love all three of you so much. Thank you for coming. Ending on a positive note. We love you all. Yeah. Yeah. Love. That's that's Love. the real message. Yeah. Like I like I like I've been saying at the end of all these episodes where we have a guest star that's usually one of our friends, especially to the boys, it's okay to say that you love your friends. That's true. Normalize yeah. it. Boy. <laughs> yes. So I love you all, except Sean. Hate that guy. Oh, oh you <laughs> just Damn. kidding, you, buddy. I hate to love you, he says. Yeah. And I love to so, hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I got it, but I gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thank you for right. anybody yeah it was good talking yeah. to you guys have a good night you too and thank good. you to anybody listening we always appreciate it if you've been sticking around for the months we have been gone thanks <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> yeah thank you to everybody uh, out there listening if you're still listening hopefully we'll have some more stuff coming out um, you're the real mvp if you're still we'll listening see. To the podcast. all right <laughs> all right well have a, have a good night gentlemen all right everybody take care guys have yeah. a good night out there yeah. bye take it easy will you have after 500 years? Oh, you, God. I still have you. <laughs>